0: Welcome, everybody, listening to another episode of the one and only Sean Sports. Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 304. Been a couple days since I last did an episode. It's been a bit of a rough transition back into the daily uploads. It's um, been kind of challenging, but at the same time, there hasn't been that much news since Thursday, so it's not the end of the world. But there is some big news to talk about on today's episode. Obviously, week 10 of the NFL season, some... NBA trade season very quickly approaching, but before I get into everything, I want to thank Crimson IT for sponsoring today's podcast episode. If you or, or someone you know has a small or medium-sized company that is looking for managed IT services, go to their website at crimsonit.com, check out what they have to offer, see if you're interested, if you are, um, let them know that you found their, their service from my podcast and you'll get a huge discount up to 50% off. If you if you guys enjoy the show feel free to leave any kind of review on iTunes and um yeah check it out on Spotify check out my my website at SeanSportstop.com for access to all episodes to see which famous athletes I've interviewed and the my blog as well follow boy 62 and with that said guys let's get right into it starting with some college sports the ivy league canceled all winter sports for the 2020-21 season due to the coronavirus pandemic the conference announced on thursday evening league presidents held their vote earlier this week and began informing member schools on thursday according to cbs sports the conference counts men's and women's basketball men's and women's ice hockey men's and women's squash i didn't know squash was a division one sport men's and women's swimming and diving wrestling and men's and women's indoor track and field among its winter sports impacted. Spring sports have been postponed through at least the end of February 2021, and fall sports previously postponed until winter will not be played. The Ivy League was the first conference to postpone fall sports. Now it becomes the first to do so for winter sports with with the Ivy League Council of Presidents announcing a unanimous decision, so absolutely no doubt. The council is made up of representatives from Brown University, Columbia University, Cornell University, Dartmouth College, Harvard University, University of Pennsylvania, Princeton University, and Yale University. As a as a current collegiate athlete myself, I'll be playing college tennis um, this year, and it's a spring sport. And we will have a season, which I am eternally grateful for. It's uh, it's honestly really awesome. Ideally, it would have started. We would be practicing right now, having fall practices. But obviously, because of COVID, that is not the case. Um, practices will now likely start in January with with matches starting in March, whereas if everything was normal, you know, the practices would be right now and the matches would start in January. So with that said, I am transitioning now to the NBA. There was a huge report. I, I'm pretty sure I covered this on a previous episode about Victor Oladipo openly not wanting to play in Indiana, literally t- apparently telling, you know, a, allegedly I should say, telling um telling opponents, you know, people that he plays against that he like asking Knicks players, asking um just other opponents if he can come play with them. And apparently this was in front of his Pacers teammates, so that's just not something you do. It's extremely messed up on so many levels. But he addressed the rumors about his future and he reaffirmed his commitment to the organization, saying, quote I know there have been people saying that I've asked players to trade for me. That's just not true, period. I love my teammates. I cherish the state of Indiana, and I'm focused on leading this franchise to a title. Um, It was also written that Oladipo and New Pacers head coach Nate Bjorken have, quote, had positive dialogue in recent weeks. However, the two-time All-Star is unlikely to sign a long-term extension this offseason because he can earn more by waiting until next summer, and that's not something you can hold against, and that's something that he would probably do regardless of the situation. The 28-year-old has one more year left on his contract before becoming an unrestricted free agent. In recent weeks, it looked like he wanted to, to um, you know, kind of expedite his departure from Indiana, not unlike Paul George in 2017. Jared Weiss of the Athletic reported in September that Oladipo was quote looking to move on this offseason, and that he it was reported that the Milwaukee Bucks were among the teams interested in possible trade, but that multiple suitors wanted to see him in action before making a move because he's been injured, obviously. Or yeah, and. Yeah, I mean, him and Milwaukee would be interesting, him and Giannis, but I would assume that Milwaukee would have to give up a good chunk of their depth to bring Oladipo to Milwaukee, or they could wait a little bit and try to sign him outright, but who knows if Giannis would still be around. That's the question. And, um, yeah, it seems like Oladipo, you know, he's committed. I mean, we as, as far as what we can believe, we need to believe him because what was being reported was simply just that. It was a report. There were no players that came out, no coaches, no there's no real credible kind of there's no evidence as to him asking to be traded to other players teams but now he came out and said he hasn't so that's all we have on this and i'm inclined to believe him because like i said there's no evidence switching gears now to baseball the miami marlins announced on friday that on friday that they have hired kim kim just we're just going to go with kim because her, she's an asian woman and her last name is ng And I'm just not sure how to pronounce that. As their new general manager, making her the first woman to be a GM in the Major League Baseball history, I think that needs to be highlighted and looked at more than her last name. The 51-year-old is believed to be the first female GM in any of the four major North American sports leagues. I'm almost certain that she is. She has been involved in the MLB since 1990 and has acted as the Senior Vice President of Baseball Operations for the MLB's Commissioner's Office since 2011, almost a decade. I mean... She has three World Series rings, she's made the postseason eight times as an executive, she was an assistant GM of the Yankees and the Dodgers, then spent a decade in the commissioner's office. She's, in my opinion, she's, she probably has the most impressive resume of a first-time GM in the history of baseball. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. She started her MLB career in 1990 as an intern with the Chicago White Sox after playing softball at the University of Chicago. It took her only one year to become a full-time employee and she was eventually promoted to assistant director of baseball operations. So she was obviously very talented and knowledgeable. She joined the Yankees in 1998 and was named assistant GM under Brian Cashman. During her time in New York, um, the Yankees won three World Series rings. Then she became the Dodgers assistant GM in 2001 and interviewed for the GM position in 2005. She also had future interviews with the Seattle Mariners, San Diego Padres, Los Angeles Angels, and San Francisco Giants. Now 30 years into her MLB career, she's making history and taking over as the GM of a team that surprisingly reached the playoffs last season it's pretty awesome per ESPN's Jeff Passan the Marlins also have a female COO in Caroline O'Connor meaning two of the three most powerful people in the organization are women it's honestly pretty awesome just amazing that uh we're getting to this point in sports because you know sports are such a you know obviously you have female sports in the WNBA and you have female sports in the Olympics and yeah yeah, or female soccer as well and yeah yeah, they have audiences but if we're being honest. if we're being honest, sports are extremely—it's a extremely male-dominated field, uh, and it's just great to see. It's great to see a female GM in baseball because it times it, it, it shows that it's who it's whoever is best fit for the job and not necessarily a man. Transitioning back to the NBA. The New York Knicks have reportedly, quote, weighed the idea of a blockbuster trade for Houston Rockets point guard Russell Westbrook ahead of this upcoming season. Mark Stein of the New York Times reported Friday the Knicks are on the, quote, short list of viable trade destinations for Westbrook if they're willing to take on the $132.7 million left on his two, on his five-year $206.8 million contract. Brian Windhorst of ESPN reported Thursday that there is not a lot of interest in Westbrook around the NBA, mostly because of his huge contract. Um, as I previously reported, Charlotte Hornets were one of the few teams who've reached out to the Rockets about Westbrook. Um, there's no doubt that Westbrook has been one of the league's top individual performers over the past decade, but he's just, with the amount of money he's making, especially for a team like New York, I don't see how, why they would make this trade. Maybe he could carry them to a playoff spot in the East, but the East is getting pretty stacked as well, and I'll get into a little bit of mo- a little, that a little bit more later. I just... I don't know, it just doesn't make sense for the Knicks. Like, okay, maybe he'll get a little better, but it's just, is it worth it? And they'll have to give up a lot to get him, for sure. Uh, He averaged a triple-double across three straight seasons with the Oklahoma City Thunder beginning in 2016-17, and he continued to post terrific numbers in his first year playing alongside James Harden in Houston. He averaged 27.2 points, 7.9 rebounds, 7 assists, and 1.6 steals across 57 appearances for the Rockets this year. But the Rockets, as I covered on the last episode, have essentially been imploding, and there will be more on James Harden, the latest on him later on in this episode. So it just doesn't it just doesn't make sense for me, to, if I'm the Knicks, to make this trade. It just, it just doesn't at all. And with that, I'm switching gears to more basketball. The NBA is targeting a December 11th start to the preseason with teams playing either three or four games, according to Shams Charania. Clubs can reportedly request which amount of games they prefer, but each team must host at least one home game before the season starts on December 22nd. The league is already facing its shortest offseason in history of the four major North American sports leagues as there's only 71 days between the end of the NBA finals and the start of this upcoming season. According to ESPN's Woj, NBA officials and the Players Association came to an understanding that any further delay to the 2020-21 season would create financial hardship for the league. That would require long-term solutions to balance out potentially impacting the salary cap as well as the split of basketball-related income, and that would not be ideal by any means. Training camps are scheduled to open on December 1st in in preparation for a 72-game season. Uh, That crunch already has training staff concerned for the safety of the players, saying, quote, it's going to be especially challenging to not only get ready to play December 22nd or whatever, but to maintain that for a period of four or five months, one head athletic trainer of a Western Conference team told ESPN. Um, The NBA has yet to release the schedule for the 2020-21 season, but Woj said that they hope to end the season by July, allowing players to participate in the 2021 Summer Olympics. (laughs) I completely forgot that the Olympics didn't happen and they're happening in 2021. It's so weird. Uh, I mean, just the Olympics not happening on an even year is very, very strange. And as far as that, yeah, that's not not much of my uh, opinion is really needed on that. It's kind of just objective news. And with that, I'm switching gears to the NFL. The New Orleans Saints will reportedly face, quote, significant discipline for violating the NFL's COVID-19 protocols after last week's win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. ESPN's Adam Schefter reported the Saints are facing a stiff fine and the loss of a draft pick for players and stat, for players and staff not wearing masks during their post-game celebration. Several videos were posted on social media after the 38-3 blowout showing masks, maskless Saints employees a violation of NFL protocol. The Saints and coach Sean Payton were previously fined for not following league protocol after week 2. Because the Saints are repeat offenders, their punishment will likely be more significant. The Las Vegas Raiders were fined $500,000 and lost a sixth-round pick draft pick for repeated violations of the NFL's COVID-19 policy. It seems likely the NFL will follow similar punishment guidelines with the Saints. Um, It's just... I mean, I understand that the NFL wants to be safe and that we're we're in the middle of a pandemic, but I just don't understand the logic when you have these guys how many when however many how, whatever the number is as for how many players are on the field at a certain time all those players closely together they're not on they're not in a bubble environment they're not wearing any masks they're making obvious and uh, you know frequent close contact tackling each other touching each other blocking all these things um, and then that's fine as far as the NFL is concerned. But then when players and staff celebrate and make videos after a hard-earned win in the locker room, it's a problem that they don't have a mask on. I mean, I just... That logic just makes absolutely no sense to me. And that's all I'm going to really say about that because there's nothing else really to say. It's just... It doesn't make much sense to me personally. Switching gears back to the NBA, this is huge. This is huge. The... Trade deadline is coming up tomorrow, or not the deadline, the ability to start making trades, and the Los Angeles Lakers have reportedly agreed in principle to acquire Dennis Schroeder in exchange for the number 28 pick of the 2020 NBA draft, uh, and Danny Green as well. Schroeder has averaged 18.9 points and four assists per game last season, almost exclusively off the bench, and finished second in voting for the NBA Sixth Man of the Year award behind Clippers center Montrez Harrell. This, was a, this is a huge highway robbery for the Lakers. I mean, yes, they're giving up a first-round pick, but they're essentially taking on less money, I believe, in Schroeder and getting a younger, more athletic, more productive version of Danny Green in exchange for Danny Green. Um, so, But there's still significant questions for the Lakers as Rajon Rondo, Kentavious Caldwell Pope, Dwight Howard, Dion Waiters, and others could leave in free agency. Um, it was being reported that the Lakers agreed to this trade with the, with the belief that Rajon Rondo will almost certainly leave this offseason. Uh, and the backcourt is especially thin with Alex Caruso, Avery Bradley, and Green, the top remaining options. And But because it's still not confirmed if Danny Green will indeed be in, in the trade for Dennis Schroeder. And um, yeah, but as far as OKC, okay, I'm not, not really sure what their rationale is here. But um, as a Laker fan, I'll take this trade. It's a... Awesome trade. Switching gears to more basketball, this would be unbelievable. Trade rumors surrounding Houston Rockets guard James Harden potentially landing with the Brooklyn Nets swirled on Sunday today. With Woj reporting the latest alongside colleagues Ramona Shelburne and Zach Lowe saying, quote, as Houston's James Harden considers the future, his future with franchise, one possible trade destination is rising to the top of his list, Brooklyn. The idea of reuniting with Kevin Durant and joining Kyrie Irving is resonating with Harden. Woj also reported Harden and Durant, quote, have recently discussed the possibility of a trade. The discussions came about as the two stars worked out together in Los Angeles, and they have talked, quote, openly about whether the combination could work and how a trade facilitating it could work. However, there have been no trade discussions between the Rockets and Nets to this point. Despite the lack of talks, though, Woj made it clear that the Rockets have, quote, privately made it clear that they would require a monstrous return of players, draft picks and pick swaps in exchange for Harden. And that makes sense. I mean, he's James Harden. Woj added that the Rockets, as of now, plan to keep Harden and, quote, run it back this season, as they should. I mean, they're still an extremely talented team, despite losing Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni and uncertainty with Russell Westbrook and James Harden and discomfort, discontentment, if that's a word, um, from P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon, and Austin Rivers. They're still a very, very talented team. Uh, quote, Houston is indeed telling teams. Uh, this, that that they want to run it back. Quote, what Harden wants is a different story. Keep in mind that Harden himself wanted to join forces with Russ. If Russ has gone, what's left? Yeah, that's going to be a big thing. And Houston, I think, should understand that. A season with a depleted, disgruntled roster and a new coach and a new GM. In other words, a wasted year of his prime. So that it makes sense why Harden would want out. Um, you know, obviously, it's a bit of a pipe dream to have, to, to have James Harden team up with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. And it would be re- it would be really cool, but how much would Brooklyn have to give up? I mean, they wouldn't. Ha- it would be you know those three, and that would be their team. I mean, obviously that's an exaggeration, but it might even not be an exaggeration. They would have to give up so much to get James Harden in Brooklyn. I don't. I honestly don't know. More NBA. Anthony Davis will hit the open market after declining his 2020-21 player option with the Los Angeles Lakers, which would have been worth 28.7 million, according to Yahoo Sports. Davis had a very successful first season with the Lakers, leading this team to its first NBA title since 2010. He was even more impressive on an individual level, averaging 26.1 points, 9.3 rebounds, and 2.3 blocks. He was named first team all NBA for the fourth time in his career and earned a first team all defensive spot. Many people thought he should have won the Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, He's proven to be one of the top big men in the NBA throughout his career, averaging at least 20 points, 10 rebounds, and two blocks in six straight seasons with the New Orleans Pelicans. He's a seven time all star. Um, he's a superstar, no doubt about it. It's obvious and there's not much to this. He's going to stay with the Lakers. I mean, not many teams have the money to pay him. The alternative, the only other team he could go to I, is the Chicago Bulls, his hometown. But they're a mess. Why would he leave beautiful LA playing alongside LeBron, just coming off a championship? It just doesn't make sense. It's possible, of course, to, you know, you know, he could be thinking, yeah, I want a ring. And I want to go home. But I would guess that that is not the case. And yeah, with that, I'm switching gears to week 10 of the NFL season. Let's see how accurate I was with my predictions. I did them on the last show. So first up, the Indianapolis Colts surprisingly beat the Tennessee Titans on the road 34-17, improving to 6-3, while the Titans fall to 6-3. Phillip Rivers was great for the Colts. And Ryan Tannehill was not very great (laughs) for the Titans and that was likely the difference. I got this one wrong. Hate to see it. You hate to see it. Next up, the Cleveland Browns beat the Houston Texans in a boring game, 10-7, to improving to 6-3. Who would have thought that the Cleveland Browns would be 6-3? That's something. And the Houston Texans are now 2-7. It's like they swapped places. Texans have been a perennial playoff team. Clearly not this year. Deshaun Watson was not very good. And neither was Baker Mayfield. But it was, like I said, a very low-scoring game. Next up on a game-winning field goal on over on on, that was almost that was over 50 yards. I believe the Detroit Lions squeaked the win against the Washington football team 30 to 27 improving to four and five keeping their hopes that their division hopes alive. Actually, they might not be alive. No, they probably are alive. I don't believe the Packers clinched while Washington falls to two and seven. It's absolutely miraculous that Alex Smith started this game. He threw for 390 yards with 38 completions and 55 pass attempts, but no touchdowns. Despite this. Washington put up 27 points, three rushing touchdowns and the rest were field goals. For the Lions, Matthew Stafford was sensational, almost 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Next up, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Carolina Panthers in a shootout 46 to 23. The Bucs are now 7 and 3, while the Panthers are 3 and 7. Tom Brady was amazing, 28 of 39, 341 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Ronald Jones, what a game. 23 carries, 192 yards, averaged over 8 yards a carry, including a 98-yard rushing touchdown. It was sensational. Tom Brady rushed for a touchdown. For the Panthers, Teddy Bridgewater was just not good enough. That's that's all there is to it. Next up, the New York Giants celebrated like they won the Super Bowl. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles 27-17 to to improve to 3-7, while the Eagles fell to 3-5-1. The Giants could still win the Dumpster Fire NFC East. Carson Wentz was not very good, and Daniel Jones... Was a lot better rushing for a touchdown, so the NFC East is a dumpster fire, no doubt about it. Then the Green Bay Packers squeaked out a win against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 24 to 20, improving to seven and two, while the Jags fall to one and eight. I don't even know the Jaguars quarterback. I guess Gardner Minshew was injured. Aaron Rodgers was was good for sure. That was that would have been a huge upset. Then in an unbelievable game today. The Arizona Cardinals won against the Buffalo Bills 32-30, to 30, walking it off on a Hail Mary touchdown catch by DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, for the Cardinals, Kyler Murray, 22 of 32, 245 yards, a touchdown and a pick, but he rushed for two touchdowns as well, averaging 5.5 yards a rush. Josh Allen was not great. He was 32 of 49, 284 yards, two touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, could have been better for sure. In yet another game that the Los Angeles Chargers lose by eight points or less, they lost to the Miami Dolphins 29-21 to 21 on the road. Despite looking like a very good team, the Chargers fall to 2-7, and seven, while the Dolphins have won their third straight game to improve to 6-3. and three. Justin Herbert was good, and so was Tua Tagovailoa. The two rookie quarterbacks uh, both play very well. Then the Las Vegas Raiders took care of business at home against the Denver Broncos, 37-12. The Raiders improved to 6-3, while the Broncos fall to 3-6. Drew Locke had a horrible game, 23-47, of four, 47, 257 yards, a touchdown, and four interceptions. Just horrible from Drew Locke. And for the Raiders, Derek Carr didn't have a very good game, 154 yards, no touchdowns, no picks, but Josh Jacobs and Booker each rushed for two touchdowns for the Raiders. Then, and I haven't been keeping track of what, so let's see. Titans. I got wrong. Detroit. I got correct. Giants. I got correct. Buffalo. I got wrong. Las Vegas. I got correct. Um, Let's see the Rams. I predicted the Rams over the Seahawks. The Rams took care of business 23 to 16, improved to six and three while the Seahawks fall to six and three. So these two teams are now tied at the top of the NFC West. Russell Wilson did not have a good game at all. 22 of 37, 248 yards, no passing touchdowns and two interceptions. Jared Goff, 27 of 37, 302 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. But Malcolm Brown rushed for two touchdowns. And yeah, it was a huge win for the Rams. Next up, the Pittsburgh Steelers are still the only undefeated team in the NFL. Now at 9-0, taking care of business against the Cincinnati Bengals, 36-10. to The Bengals are now 2-6-1, while like I said, the Steelers are 9-0. Joe Burrow had a decent game. Ben Roethlisberger had a sensational game, 27-46, to 333 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Got that one right. Then the New Orleans Saints beat the injury-plagued San Francisco 49ers 27-13 at home to improve to 7-2, while the Niners fall to 4-6. The Niners had a great start, but it, um, yeah, they, they just have so many injuries they can't. So I got that one right. Then, you know, surprise, the New England Patriots in primetime beat the Baltimore Ravens at home 23-17 to improve to 4-5 and and keep their playoff hopes alive while the Ravens fall to 6-3. and Lamar Jackson had, de- had a decent game. Cam Newton had a decent game. So huge win for the Patriots, and tomorrow night the Monday Night Football matchup: the Minnesota Vikings three and five at the Chicago Bears five and four in an NFC North matchup. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. That's all I have for this episode of Sean Sports Stop, and I'll see you guys on the next one.